Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. So you want to shoot a bare bow recurve. We're going to find out what it's like to do that. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury, and I'm going to be hosted on Archer Talk 101. And on the line, we have uh, Robbie with us. Uh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Going good. So tell good us a little deal. something about yourself. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, the easiest, the easiest thing that will cover almost all the bases, I really like to shoot a bow. That covers pretty much everything. But uh, to get a little more in depth, I, I compete um, in the barebow recurve division. I am, uh, I've been on Team USA a couple times over the last couple of years since I started competing in barebow. And um, I just won a couple national events over the last month for our indoor season. And on yeah, top I mean, of that, I'm trying, I'm trying to kill a turkey. And for whatever reason, <laughs> those dumb birds seem to outsmart me every time I go out. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of do, don't they? Well, uh -huh. we, we, uh, from the uh, the live in the Facebook group, uh, Adam says, uh, Robbie, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Another day in paradise. It's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> the weather isn't quite what I want to go chase turkeys in, but uh, I might go give it a shot later. Yeah, we have some winds up here in Nebraska uh, mm -hmm. that, that get kind of real hard to shoot a bow of any kind. Uh, when we have sometimes 30, 40 mile an hour winds, you can't even hold still, let alone try and execute right. a shot. So Absolutely. yeah, it's, wind Absolutely. can definitely play a, a little uh, role in how well you shoot. So uh, tell us, you know, why and how did you get started in archery? <coughs> Excuse me. So I, I started off bow hunting when I was, was a kid. Um, I don't remember exactly the age I was when I, I got a bow, but I started off with like a, a bear Apache this little tiny uh, kids. I remember it had like a teardrop cam or teardrop cable system on it. It was no more than this long axle to axle. I remember shooting that with my brother in the backyard. Had a little uh, a, a 3D deer target. I'm left-handed and there was only two right-handed bows. So my brother was shooting his right-handed when he's right-handed. And I was shooting the right-handed bow left-handed because that's what felt good to me. And uh, yeah, that was kind of my earliest memories of shooting. And I got into bow hunting more, especially when I think it was uh, my freshman year in high school is when I really got into bow hunting. Um, my eighth grade year, I shot, I started shooting NASP. So I'm what they call in the target world, a NASP baby. That's where I got my, that's where I got my step into competitive stuff. So I shot NASP all through middle school and high school. I went to nationals my senior year. Didn't do anything really spectacular or remarkable with it, but it, you know, archery is a good thing to keep kids in track and doing well at school, keep them focused, build character. And that's what archery and NASP did for me growing up. Um, so that's kind of where we got started. I bow hunted all through high school too. Um, trying to think when I was 17 years old, I had a coach in Eastern Iowa tell me that I should try shooting Olympic recurve. And I had watched the Olympics. I already had some idols that were on the, the big boy archery side, not, yeah. not shooting NASP. And I was like, man, that'd be cool. Let's try that out. So, uh, I got a bow and I started shooting it. Absolutely loved it. And when I got to college, I started shooting Olympic recurve full time. Uh, I went to school in Vermilion at the University of South Dakota. And uh, that's 20 minutes away from Yankton, which has the largest indoor archery range in the world. So I got to train there every day for four years. Um, so that was a pretty cool thing. And I, I trained under a really good coach. She helped me kind of get some fundamentals down, helped me grow up a little bit you know, as an 18 year old thinking that they're, they're hot <laughs> stuff coming in. And I absolutely was not at the time. 
so it was it was all good stuff and that's uh went through college won a few national titles won a few all-american titles stuff like that um when 2020 rolled around they shut everything down and that was my senior year of college so i didn't get to go to my senior year nationals that was supposed to be at the olympic training center um the whole world shut down and i kind of put the bow away for a little bit i was like there's no tournaments and to you know yeah. train train hard like an olympian to shoot as many arrows as you can every single day that wears on you especially when there's nothing to shoot for you know there's no tournaments nothing like that and i i put it away and then fall rolled around i got the hunting bow out i really got into that winter rolled around there were some indoor tournaments one in south dakota and i was like let's try this again let's try this target shooting i picked up my olympic bow and i shot for it i shot but for about five minutes and I'm like no no that's I don't really enjoy that and then I was like well, let's take the sights off of it and take the stabilizers off of it so I did that and ever, ever since then I've shot barebow so for those who don't know and I'll grab the bow barebow recurve is shot all around the world shot in world archery events world championships it's just your your standard recurve bow you have a plunger you have a wire flipper rest you have weights on the bow and uh no sight no stabilizers like what you'd see at the olympics no clicker that tells you when to let go um i don't have a finger tab on me but you'll string walk so i will move up and down the string depending on how far the target is away so like if I were to shoot a longer distance, like 50 meter target, I would go closer to right up next against the arrow. Whereas if I shoot field archery, which is my favorite discipline, and you have to shoot anywhere from five to 50 meters, I'll be moving up and down the string all the time, depending on the distance of the target. The further down the string you are, the closer the target, because it brings the arrow closer to your eye. And then the farther the target, higher up you go so that's what that is kind of just a quick um bird's eye view of this discipline this is a highly competitive discipline worldwide um you can go watch uh different world championships in the barebow division and it's it's pretty intense competition and i really do enjoy it um yeah yeah, no, I, I've I talked know. to a few people, you know, from all over the world and, and, you know, that that's a big, big thing. And there's, there's several groups out there that, that I, I'm in that's just strictly with the bare bow. And, and it's amazing how good you can get your practice mm -hmm. with, with no sights. Uh, I know when I started, there was no such thing as sights on a bow, you know, in the sixties, right. it was fiberglass or, or uh, wood and recurve or longbow. Right. That's, that was your only options. And, and your right. options and arrows was wood or wood. So, mm -hmm. you know, and you flash yep. with feathers and you, you learn how to do that. And, you know, I'd heard about the string walk in here uh, a few months back. And it's like, mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out what, what are you talking about? Uh, so I was actually, um, I watched Jake Comiskey's uh, YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was watching. So he's like, okay, what is this string walk? I couldn't figure out what it was. And uh, he had a good explanation. It's like, Okay, how do you how do you do that? It's like okay, uh, I just look at the target and I don't look at the sights or anything else like that. So um, yeah, so yeah, like that, string walking, I actually I found my tab and I can show you because I haven't taken my crawls off and they're not really good, not a really good representation. But there's some lines on here. So you know when we say we don't have a sight, this is our sight, right? This is our sight tape, and the point of the arrow is our sight so like on every target i will aim right on with the point of the arrow what i want to hit and i'll just move up and down the string with depending on the distance with this ruler mark that i have mapped out for you know how far it's gonna how far i'm gonna shoot 
So like okay. say for 20 yards, I always aim right at it. I just move down the string and aim right at it till it, it hits the middle. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, my... for, for the listeners, they can't see your tab. Maybe you could explain what you've done on your tab. For those so who just have, I have to a, listen. I have a um I have a, a metal tab and on it there's little um ruler indicators on the side of it. So imagine if you just stick a ruler on the side of your tab. And what I'll do is I'll go right up underneath the arrow and I'll count how many lines I need to go down for whatever determined distance that I need. So for say 20, 20 yards, my ruler mark was let's see, roughly 10 down from the top. So when I would shoot 20 yards, I would I would bump my tab right up against the bottom of the arrow and I would count down 10 lines. And then I would move down the string, however far that needed to be. And I would draw an anchor on the same spot and I would aim at the middle. So me moving my sight is moving my tab up and down the string. I always aim right at it, which makes it makes stuff a lot easier. Um, I know for hunting, I used a, I use a 25 yard fixed crawl because we have no business shooting much past 25 most of the time. No, not, not in, not in, not in Eastern States doing tree stand hunting out West, different story. Getting inside of 30 is a challenge. So that's a different ball game out there. But in terms of us sitting in a tree stand, we have no business shooting over 25 most of the time. So with a 25-yard fixed crawl, I have a knot tied at a specific spot. And I know at 25 yards, I aim right at what I want to hit, and it will hit there. And it's the same spot every time. It's a fixed distance underneath the arrow. And then if it's closer, I aim just a tiny bit underneath it. That way, for any traditional hunters that are listening out there that you have to aim basically at its feet in order to hit it, it's not a problem if you have a fixed crawl. But there are different tuning aspects to go into that too that you have to mess with. Yeah, that, that's a whole new new concept and a whole new idea on, on how to uh, adjust mm -hmm. and shoot bare bow. Uh, you know, with sights, it's easy because you just pick which pin you want, or or if you have a single pin, right. you just adjust the pin. And you know, we're exactly. about moving up and down. It's it kind of the reverse. Mm -hmm. You know, as as you move, as you go up, you know, you, you're you're having to change your front sight um, one way, and then your strength's going the other way. And so, mm -hmm. you, from what I'm getting, you have to take your longest shot, and that's where you'd have your hand up against your your arrow. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you're up against the arrow on your longest shot, and then you just move down for closer shots. Correct. Yep. So the closest that we'll shoot in competitions like five meters. Okay, that's like five and a half yards, six yards. Yeah. That's a really close shot. So what that looks like for me is basically that arrow is right in line with my eyeball when I'm at full draw. Whereas at 50 meters, which is 55 yards, you know. My fingers are almost right underneath the arrow, so that means that the the arrow is coming out right by my my mouth has a little higher angle to to be launched out that far. And to anybody who's curious, you know, you can go to YouTube and Google Field World Championships Barebow, and you can you'll see you know a masterclass of people that are moving up and down the string. You'll see what the different angles look like, how close. Sorry, my dog came in. Uh, the different angles of how close your arrow is to your eye. It's a completely different ball game than what uh, you know most traditional bow hunters will will do. Yeah, whole, whole different whole different concept, and it, it, that's why I like talking about you know all the different archers out there because there's there's different stories, different ways of doing it, and yeah. You know, as I talk to you guys, I learn as well, and. Yeah, that, that's give me always... one second. I'm sorry. Come on, Roscoe. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you didn't latch the door. You come right on in. <laughs> I know. I know. I did now. So I know we get so yeah. There's you can't uh... like pop up in my lap all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Darn pets. Yeah. 
so yeah that's that's a little more in-depth of what i do um when i hunt i will i will shoot a fixed crawl when i shoot traditional i hunt with a compound too um depending on just how much time i have and how efficient i need to be like on the private ground that i have um in southern iowa i'll hunt with a compound because i we try to manage that property really well there's a lot of really big deer and i'm not going to watch a 180 inch deer walk by at 30 yards because i'm shooting with a stick bow <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so is, that, like, where you, on, is that is that top, where you live in iowa yeah i live in iowa yep ankeny so just north of des moines about 10 minutes yeah and then like the public land around here i'll go out with a, a self bow or a recurve because you know the size of deer that you get isn't necessarily huge out there and if i get an opportunity to shoot a, a six a little six point or eight point that walks under my stand with a self bow absolutely i'm gonna take it because that's awesome right. but yeah so that's kind of differentiate stuff a little bit for hunting and I enjoy doing it. And then when I go out west, I'll go with a, a compound because I need to shoot further. Because I'm not a good hunter, but I'm a good shot. So, yeah, they, they kind of that's always, don't really go together, do they? <laughs> no, no, that's my that's my expression. You know, shitty hunters have to be good shots. And I'm not good <laughs> yeah. at getting. I'm not really good at getting close, but I am good at shooting. So. Yeah, it's kind of nice, you know, you have the option, you know, to, to pick up the compound or, or mm -hmm. shoot the recurve, you know, whatever you're doing. And it, it's just nice to get out there and do whatever you can with it. Mm -hmm. So I, I know you're, um, I seen your recurve was a Hoyt and of course you're wearing a Hoyt hat. Um, is your compound Hoyt as well then? Yeah, I have a, a Hoyt RX-7 Ultra. So they're carbon bow, the longer axle to axle. And I got it in 80 pounds to make up for it being a little slower because of the longer axle to axle and the larger brace height. Shoot a little bit heavier weight. Yeah, yeah. And I do that. I'm not trying to be like a macho man. I just like to be able to shoot far. And when you have a more forgiving compound is going to be one that's longer and one with the longer brace height. And when you have those two pieces together, you lose speed. Right. And speed is what helps you get a long distance. So I'm just trying to make up for the lack, the loss of speed while still having a forgiving bow. Yeah, so, so it's, you know, a lot of people don't, don't realize that, you know, as the bows are getting faster and faster and shorter and shorter, mm -hmm. they're getting harder and harder yeah. to control. And Correct. if you can't control yes. it, you can't make a good shot. Because, you know, mm -hmm. I said the faster the bow, the more it magnifies your mistake. So get get the yeah. slower bow and, and more forgiving bows. And if you make a mistake, yes. yeah, you can get normally get a good shot out of them still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any day of the week, I will take a bow that takes a little longer to get to its spot, but I know it's going to hit behind the pin than right. when it gets to really fast, but I, I don't know if it's going to hit. Yeah. And, so. and that's, that's something you, you all have to consider. And uh, I know there's a few out there that, ah, whatever. <laughs> Right. You know, and you know, for us, for 95% of people, I don't really feel it matters because they're not going to shoot over 30 yards. They're not going to go out west. They're not going to shoot out of it. They're going to only shoot out of a tree. It doesn't, it, it makes no difference in my opinion for some of them. I work at a bow shop part-time. I see a lot of people that come in. Um, the difference between them getting a longer bow or a shorter bow, mixed mocks doesn't matter but somebody who wants to be able to shoot a long ways like if they're planning to go out west and they want to shoot 80 plus yards of that longer bow the more forgiving bow is definitely a necessity because if you get you know say a triax with a 27 or 28 inch axle to axle i had that bow for a little while and it would group really really well and i'd have like a softball size group at 80 and then just i'd make one tiny little mistake and way out of the group and i'm like yeah we can't we can't have that because most hunting situations aren't perfect no 
I've yeah. rarely been in a perfect situation to where everything's settled and how it needs to be when the shot goes off. Yeah, you're outside. You might have wind blowing around a little bit. You might have. Uh, um, <laughs> we almost had another guest on the show. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, she goes as well. Home from the... She does. Yeah. Yep. So oh. her jersey's her jersey's the one on the bottom. Oh so well, have her come in and join. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have her <laughs> pop in here in a minute. Um, yeah. Yeah. We both made the the world championship field team last year. That's good. So, yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. Power couple. Yeah, that, that's so. just nice when they go. You can go together and enjoy it, and and it's mm -hmm. something. It's like you're not going, and and she's just sitting around waiting to get it done, or or she's going, mm -hmm. and you're sitting around. It's nice that you both get involved in it, and uh, you know, enjoy the sport. And like I said, you, you know, you're both doing good with it, and right. Yeah, I got her into it a little over a year ago. Barebow, that is. I got her, I started, we started dating like two and a half years ago, and I got her in, we went shooting bows on one of our first dates. So, um, and then she really got into it. She started bow hunting. She loves bow hunting. And then um, she competed with her compound for a while. And she's like, I want to do barebow. That looks more fun. And I was like, yeah, it is more fun. It's way more fun than shooting a compound in competition. And she got into it, loved it, made her first U.S. team in five months. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah I, was, I bet she's got some interesting stories, too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So it's a good thing to do together. So what's been your most memorable time you've been out shooting whether it be hunting or or target <coughs> oh i'm trying to think here there's a lot of really good memories um I'm trying to think most memorable i don't know they all have their kind of like special their special thing you know oh i could tell you you know five different awesome stories from hunting season last year and they're all super memorable for their own reasons and same with the target stuff you know i i made two world championships last year um both of which i made with two different sets of really really good friends of mine um so i got to go to italy for the 3d world championships with a couple of really good friends and made some awesome friends over there from different countries and then I made the field world championships that was shot in Yankton, South Dakota with, you know, some of my best friends and, and my girlfriend. And that was super memorable too, you know, being able to compete at the highest level of your sport with your significant other and your best friends. That's pretty sweet. In my opinion, uh, yeah. it's hard. It's really hard to beat that. Um, in terms of, you know, probably in the last year, I would say, uh, probably at these U.S. indoor finals, which was three weeks ago, I think, four weeks ago, something like that. They were in Louisville, Kentucky. You had to qualify by being in the top eight at uh, indoor nationals. Um, and I won indoor nationals, so I, I made the top eight. Um, going into Louisville, you know, I had some pretty tragic family stuff happen. My mom passed away, and I was kind of a wreck, you know, as most people would be. Right, um, yeah. at the at the age of 25 losing a really important person in your life um and uh in those matches you had to shoot three matches to win you had your your quarterfinal match if you won that you went to semifinals if you win that you went to the gold medal match well and in my first match i was you know back against the wall gonna lose Came back, forced the one arrow shoot off, won the one arrow shoot off. Great. Moved on to the semifinals against my, my, one of my best friends in the sport. Name's Matt Yaka. And he had me up against the ropes. Like if I made one little mistake, I was done. It was it. And it looked like he was about to just absolutely steamroll me. Came back, forced the shoot off won the one arrow shoot off and i actually have the target here right next to me and this wasn't necessarily planned but there's the 
one arrow shoot off. So yeah, and it's it's a it's a closest to center. So oh yeah, and and for those that can't see it, there's the X in the center. It's a three spot target. There in the yellow ring in the middle, there's an X in there, and it looks like you're not even the width of an arrow off of this the center dot, the center X. No. No, and I, I put it right in the middle when I needed to, and I was pretty amazed. And then I had him in the coach's box. Like I said, he's one of my best friends. So, you know, there's no hard feelings in it. And we we agreed to whoever won, we were going to be in each other's coach's box for the gold medal match. And then I go up to the gold medal match, and this is uh, live broadcasted on on youtube so if somebody were wanted to google it it'd be the u.s indoor finals 2023 bare gold medal match and i i shot horribly i started off well but i didn't i didn't shoot well again for the third time i had my back up against the wall i was literally literally a 16th of an inch from losing and i came back to force a one arrow shoot off again and i won i put that you know that that arrow that i just showed you i put one almost exactly like that in the shoot off to win gold which <clears throat> you know statistically there's no way that should have happened right yeah Stati statistic statistically like i should have been beat you take the top eight shooters in the country and you put them all together and I wasn't shooting well and I was down I should have been I should have been done I should not have made it where I did I should not have won but you know I I really believe that she was looking after me that day and and helped me get get to that spot and put me in that position to where I could do that so I would say probably that would take the cake for the most memorable thing to happen just because like though you there's such high emotions that go into all of this even just outside of shooting you know and just to be able to be able to keep everything together for that little bit even when things aren't going the way you hope that's pretty special to me yeah that that is nice when you can do that okay I'm I'm trying to trying to bring up that video of you shooting, and of course it went into ads. <clears throat> Darn. Yeah, that's probably YouTube. You know that. Absolutely. Wait, wait for it to load. I thought I, you know, mm -hmm. those listening can't can't really see it, but you know we have the people in the group can see it, and and also post it out to YouTube channel. You know, so you can watch the video that way. But mm -hmm. you know, the best way to see the videos, be a member of the Archer Talk One Hundred and One Facebook group because. You get to see it live. Uh, YouTube right. has to has to wait because you only get two of them, <laughs> two of them a week. And that was my uh, my first like streamed match that I've ever been in before. I've been close, you know. They stream matches at World Championships. I never got to those, but um, yeah, here's. You should be able to see see you shooting <laughs> against Marcus. Yep. Yeah, Marcus is a really good friend of mine too. For whatever reason, this video feed was super laggy. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can see how your hand is is down below the knock of the arrow. Your the string yep. lock is so that distance. Yep. And I shoot a little bit bigger arrows. Those are standard diameter arrows. That's a little so bit low. I stand, yeah, yeah. I like I said, I did not shoot well in this this match. Um, Marcus didn't either, frankly. <laughs> None of us were really on top of our game, and I made some form changes out of this. Just watching this match, I I know that there's hole there were holes in my form, and yeah, my mental game carried me pretty much the entirety of indoor season because. I feel like my form's kind of gross in this video. It's very hitchy, not smooth. There's a couple of really big holes in there that, 
um, needed fixed. So. Yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd share it for those that get to watch the video, you know, if you're shooting in, in the uh, Nationals. Yeah. Nice about recording this on Zoom, I have that ability. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so as far as memorable, uh, what has been your most challenging uh, either hunt or target shoot, target event? Mm. Well, most target events, to me, it's a very, uh, like, internal thing, right? So it's about how I perform and how I handle myself. Obviously, we're competing against others, but um, if I can, if I hold myself together and I, I, I maintain and keep my head in the right spot, it's not necessarily like a challenge. I can still get beat. Anybody can get beat, even when you're doing well. So I don't know that I would really call any tournaments like a, a big challenge. Um, I have goals. And if I don't get the goal, then I just keep working harder and try it. Now, hunts, on the other hand, hunts have been challenging. Um, my... My most difficult one is uh, Arizona. I'll do the over-the-counter mule deer hunt down there, the over-the-counter archery. Yeah. And, I mean, I've been down there three times, and I got my first deer this year. So I'm one for three. And I've always found deer. Always found them. It's just really difficult for me to kill them for whatever reason. <laughs> Um, mule deer are not intelligent animals. They're very curious and they are just smart enough to stay alive. Yeah, they can do just that. smart enough. Yeah. Um, I've cut a lot of arrows loose more than I, I would be, uh, be pretty embarrassed if I actually knew the number that I cut loose. Um, I did hit one once last year. So my second year going, I had a shot. It was downhill, really steep in this cut. He was at like 70-something, low 70s yardage. And there was some brush in the way, and I ranged, and I ranged. I ranged the bush behind him because I couldn't get a clear shot at him of what it needed to be. Then he stepped out, and I shot, and I went right over his back. And he ran to 104. He ran to 104 and just stopped perfectly broadside. <laughs> and um, I'm a little too confident in my abilities with the compound bow. I practice out to like 120 pretty regularly. And I can, at 120, probably 70% stay on a paper plate. 60, 70% will stay on a paper plate. So it's not like it's bad shooting. And at 100, it's almost all of them on a paper plate. So I was fairly confident. I, I turned the dial on my site. I got to full draw. And then at the point where I needed to execute, I got antsy and I just I just whacked the trigger. And I'm like, <laughs> you idiot. Because I, I know what happens when I punch the trigger, I hit low. And I right. just like skimmed, I just skimmed right under, skimmed right underneath them. And yeah, um, not anything big. But something I, I I'm happy with anything. An over the counter Western hunt is basically a donation to the to the state game department. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, um, Joshua Joshua commented on on the live. Says proud of you, buddy. Uh, you definitely deserve the wins lately. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um. So yeah, and then this year I was able to harvest a coos deer which I was not going down there for coos deer. Um, they're cool creatures, don't get me wrong, but in my mind, like, I hunt whitetails up here all the time. Right. Right? And I don't want to travel, you know, 1,300 miles to go hunt whitetails. I wanted to go hunt mule deer. And uh, I'd, we'd been hunting for five days, something like that. I had missed this same little forky buck twice um once at 
a hundred and once at 83, I think something like that. <laughs> now at 83, I have no idea why I missed. Like he, I have no idea how he was able to jump the string like he did. He was perfectly calm. He was facing the other way, eating off of a bush, had no idea I was there. Shot broke perfectly. And I'm like, oh, that deer's dead. As soon as the shot broke, I was like, yep, that's it. And then he jumped a whole body length in front and started running as soon as the string hit the string stop. And I was just like absolutely dumbfounded. I was like, like, this is just my luck. And then I walk up to the pack in the spotter where my buddy was at. And I was super pissy. I was like, this is stupid. I'm not going to kill a deer for the third year in a row. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is like a cheese grater sport. Every time I do this, I just, I grind off a little bit more of me and it's irritating. And then I get back up to the packs and I look across this, uh, this big wash and I see, you know, there's a few coos deer that are walking around on top of one of these, these big cuts. And I'm like, let's see what those are. And I, I put the scope on them and I'm looking at them and there's one that's pushing the rest of them around and it's really limpy. And I'm like, well, a doe has no reason to push around another doe. Right. And I'm like, it's their rut. It's, it, it's late December. So it's getting to be like their pre-rut time into the rut. And I'm like, I think that little guy's got horns. <laughs> and, you know, he was, he's a super goofy one. Um, I'm sure you could dig up my Facebook or something and find the picture of him. He was the gnarliest little rack I've ever seen. I thought he was a spike, like this kind of a spike. And oh, I was yeah. still going after him. And he just had a goofy mess, mess on his horns. Um, but I, I went across, went after him. He was chasing, bumping these two does down this big cut. So I got to the very edge of this big cut. The does walked around within 10 feet of me. And, you know, coos deer, one of the spookier animals on the continent for getting really close to them. Them and antelope are really, really hard to get close to. And I just stood there right up against the bush. I held the bow right up in front of my face. Just stayed really still. And the mom was just staring at me, stomping at me and she eventually walked off and a little baby came walking right by me too and I was like well that was really neat and then I see him work his way down on this bottom cut it was dark in the bottom because it was morning and the sun hadn't hit the right spot I get to full draw I'm about to shoot and then I like lose him because of how dark it is in the bottom and the sun's like right in my face so I let down he comes more up around to where I'm at I get to full draw he keeps moving. I let down. And then eventually I get there and he's at like 24 yards and I just let it rip. Double long, 50 yards toppled over. And I was like, awesome. Okay. Finally is able to fill a Western tag. Yeah. He's not, he's not big by any stretch, but he is absolutely a trophy in my book. You know, like I said, any Western over the counter tag is basically a donation to the state um, conservation yeah. department. That's yeah, not one that people fill very often. Oh yeah, I think I have, I have the picture here. Let me move it over here. And I was talking to somebody there. He does a like kind of a scouting service, and you you pay a certain amount, and he he kind of gives like a scouting report. Yeah, isn't right. he goofy? Yeah, it's kind and, of a, uh, a weird little rack for. For those that can't see it, that they're both not very long. One's flat, and the other one looks like it's split clear at the base. Yeah, like two yeah, like, up two fingers in a in a V sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there's a video. There's a video in there too in that post. There should be anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to see. I could be. I, for it. I could be wrong, but. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I do that a lot anyway. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. The the scouting service, the guy that I was talking to, I'd shoot him messages back and right. forth, whatever, and he'd tell me some units and some different areas to try out. And he told me, he's like, out of the hundreds of people that use this service, you are the first person to fill a coos tag with a bow. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, that's, I'm a little bit more impressed with myself. He was, he was pretty injured. Um, he was gimping around pretty bad. So I'm glad I was able to take him out of the gene pool. The desert is yeah. not kind to animals. No. Not at all. I did that due to a service for sure. You know, I, I when I was skinning him out. Yeah, there we go. I, I found the there video. We'll let the, it play more. There shows, there shows the full view of it. He's got technically seven points on him. He's yeah, got a couple coming coming out of that base and yeah, that, it's gnarly. <laughs> um, when I was skinning him out, he had like eight major size bot flies in the back of his throat. Oh, man. his right his right front leg was inusable. He was using like his wrist what we would equate as a wrist to walk. Um, I mean, I don't know how much people think about it, but the thorns that are all throughout the animal and it's hide and stuff, you know, they live with thorns in them constantly. Yeah. If we, if we have one little sliver in our hands, we like have to dig it out or we can't function. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, these animals have, cactus spines all throughout their body it's just amazing what they what they deal with and what they tolerate and how brutal nature could be yeah that's you know when when uh you know we go on a hunting you know we want to make a clean kill we don't want them to suffer and mm -hmm. you see an animal suffering like that and you know you can put it out of, out of its misery and and still get some good mm -hmm. meat and 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 you know why not because it's just <laughs> going to be you know, a lot of them are, they're going to die from, you know, wintertime. They can't survive very well. So, right. um, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, helping them out and helping the herd out and providing food mm -hmm. for us. And yeah, and it tastes good. Coos deer tastes good for sure. And it was a great campsite meal while my girlfriend was still chasing a deer and it was a good time. Yeah, sounds they're like not it was big. a good time. They're not big. Like they're the size of like a a yellow lab. Oh, geez, they are small, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a no, big almost... coos deer. A big coos deer is 120 inches. Like an almost, 80 inch, almost... 90 inch coos is like the equivalent to our 140 inch whitetail here. More more like our fawns that we have here in Nebraska and Iowa. Yes. No, I've shot yearlings that, that weigh the same. Yeah. I've legitimately shot a yearling that is the size as this buck, body-wise. So it's it's interesting to see the difference. It's just how animals adapt and species change to, you know, to you adapt your, to their... You got your deer population all over the country, and they're different, you know? And mm -hmm. some states you can shoot, uh, you know, five, six a day. You know, up here mm -hmm. in Nebraska, I think I was probably the same way. We don't get that many of them. No. You know, here in Nebraska, we have two of the lot to take a buck, you know, two archery tags, two rifle tags, two muzzleloader tags. Uh, the archery is always either sex, muzzleloader is always either sex. And then you, we have the season choice ones, which is only antlerless only. They can't mm -hmm. say don't only because um, if you have a, a buck that's dropped its antlers, how do you know it's it's a buck until you right you, you get up there right. and see the nubs on it or you flip it over uh so they say antlerless um mm -hmm. you know and, and if you have a buck that's got you know two or three inch tines you can't see them sometimes so you right. don't know exactly so they say less exactly. than six inch tines so <laughs> but pretty much if i see tines then i don't care how big it is <laughs> i'm not shooting it if, if i have a doe only tag <laughs> right exactly 100 percent yeah, and you know, in Iowa, we have I think we have a like a late a January antlerless rifle season. I'm not a huge fan of that personally, 
because there's I feel like there's a lot of people that look at the body size like wow that's a huge doe and they go yeah, up and it's 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 you know yeah it'd be a hundred sixty inch buck next year. So yeah. well and and I would just I'm recently that person. Yeah, I would just recently allowed you to shoot rifles. So, so during our yeah it's during our gun season they let you shoot a straight wall cartridge or a muzzle loader or a shotgun so a straight wall cartridge like your 45 70 your 30 30 300 uh or no a 350 legend 450 legend cartridges like that i personally don't hunt the gun seasons i hunt both season really really hard um there's a fair number of people that party hunt in Iowa. I'm not personally a fan of that. So I just, I don't partake in it. I let them have their time in the woods. I have my time in the woods and everybody's happy at the end of the day. Yeah, I know some some states allow you to party hunt as long as you don't shoot more deer than what you have tags for. One person could actually right. shoot them all. Here in Nebraska. I, Iowa is like that. Yeah, Nebraska, <laughs> no, you shoot your own deer. You can't party hunt. You know, mm -hmm. if I have if I have a tag, you have a tag. We're in Nebraska. You can't shoot two of them. I can't shoot two of them. You have mm -hmm. to shoot your own. And, yeah, you know, it's a little different. You know, each state has their own laws, and you know, we just need to know what they are. And there's, uh, you know, there's 52 states. I imagine there's 52 two different sets of laws. You know, right. all handling game. Each state has their own. Some may be similar, but each one has their own own things that they do and. You know, it should be because each state needs to be able to handle their own way they're going to do it. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, shotgun season, I just because I'm not a fan of it, it brings in a ton of money for the state, the DNR. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a good thing because it helps fund taking care of our, our wildlife, funds our DNR. Right. Well, and when you need to control the population, archers, we aren't, mm -hmm. let's, let's face it, we're not going to take enough out to really make no. much of a dent in the population. So, Correct. Yeah. you know, like Iowa, Iowa needs their shotgun season. Nebraska needs their rifle season. I just wish they'd move the rifle off of the rut here in Nebraska. Yeah. Second week in yeah, November. that makes it hard. I remember one yep. year when I had my store, they moved it to the week after. And being a deer check station, I seen lots of big bucks coming in that week would have normally been rifle. The archers are checking them in. Well, then, of course, the rifle hunters didn't like that too well and they moved it back. They just did it mm -hmm. one year. I don't know yeah. I don't know what the reason for moving it was, but uh, uh probably because archers, you know, we'd like to be able to hunt the rut, you know, because it's mm -hmm. it's a little more challenging. Um I don't know. I never I never asked them to find out why they changed it that one year and then changed it back or who knows. <laughs> So does your girlfriend want to come in and get on the podcast? Uh, I haven't uh I haven't asked her yet. I haven't asked her. Um I certainly can. I know we're live, so I don't wanna keep anybody held up who's who's watching, but um, well if she wants to come on a different podcast, we can do that because we've been about an hour now, I think. So um yeah, we can have we can have her on another time. Sure. And, Sounds good and, to me. And talk to her. I, I know it'd be uh, quite interesting to hear her story, how she got started and what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And and I always like to get different stories from everybody. You know, it's nice when you talk to someone in a different country and they have the same same basic stories that everybody else does around the whole world. You know, they're all mm -hmm. got the same basic stories. And um, oh, yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to talk to different people. I've talked to people in Africa um serbia um i can't remember all the different countries there's a couple other countries i don't remember but you know that's the nice thing about the arch talk one on facebook group is we have people in there from all over the world uh, there's members mm -hmm. from countries that you have to google map them to figure out where it's at you know it's not like right. spain yeah. or italy it's you know it's this this small country <laughs> that or city or whatever they call it and you're like oh Okay, that's that's in in Italy somewhere, or that's in Spain somewhere, or over in China, mm -hmm. or you know, just all over the world, and and everybody's got the same thing, you know. Pretty much, if you got a bow in your hand, and you're an archer, you're automatically a friend. That's right, for sure. And, and all willing to help each other out, and 
um, you know, just whatever it takes. And it's always a real interesting, you know, I hear different stories of, of different people in different areas and the struggles they went through. And uh, that's always a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, uh, glad to have your girlfriend on another time. You know, that way if she wants to come on, we can do sure. it. I'm always looking Absolutely. for, um, you know, on the podcast, if you, to qualify to be on the podcast, do you want to know something about archery? You know, anywhere from, I don't have a bow, but I want to learn what do I need to do. We're going to talk to you or, or like you, Olympic archers or professional archers and everything in between, you know, it's just anything I can do to promote the sport of archery we're doing um yeah you know, sometimes absolutely. we'll have on vendors that actually manufacture stuff we've had broadhead vendors on you know the where they manufacture them and uh you know all kinds of you know if you have a business hey let's get on here let's promote it to to wherever we have and um i know you have you have a lot of stuff going on uh what what is it that you have going on that uh, you would like to let our listeners know about Oh, well, you know, I shoot some of the best stuff that's out in the, in the archery community. I shoot uh, Hoyt bows. They're some of the best. They make the best target stuff. They make some of the best hunting bows out there. Um, gas bow strings. That's one thing that every archer has in common is we all need a bow string. So right. if you, you need one. If you need one before season, I would recommend going to gas. They make them, um, I mean... These are the best bow strings that I ever shot. I just switched to them this year and I, uh, I jumped to being one of the highest, the highest ranked shooters for indoor in the country this year. So, um, I'm a huge fan of them. You can check them out. They make them for recurves and make them for compounds, whatever, whatever you need. Um, victory arrows. That's another thing every archer needs is arrows. Um, I really like their stuff. It shoots really well. They're the, the carbon arrow experts. They've got a range of stuff from hunting to target. Doesn't matter if youth, women, or you know, any adult man. They've got a they got a good solution. I shoot with uh, Jaeger grips, interchangeable grips for ILF recurves and some compound bows. Ramrods makes all these weights. I know this doesn't look like much, but this is 20 ounces of weight right here on the front of my bow. And there's a dampening tungsten in it, which is a really cool thing that, you know, any bow hunter that has weights on their bow can do is get some of this tungsten dampening weight and help make that bow quieter. Cause we all know silence is, is deadly in the woods. Right. Um, so you don't necessarily need rubber dampeners for that. Um, <clears throat> and then AAE archery, they, they make my, my plunger and my rest. Um, they make a ton of compound stuff. They make rests. They make stabilizers. They make veins. I shoot their veins for my, my hunting stuff. The AAE hybrids. I absolutely love those. Um, yeah. I mean, those are the great people that support me. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah we uh, we got to support the, you know, the ones that are willing to support the archers. You know, we got to support them. So do you shoot uh, feathers for your uh, recurve then? So indoors, I will. Indoors, I will because it's a, a bigger arrow. It's harder for the, the arrow to get around the riser as much. So the feathers kind of reduces some clearance issues when the, the arrow is getting off the bow. When I shoot outdoors, I'll shoot um, little like plastic metallic veins called spider veins. They call them spin wings. It's kind of a general term. It's a, a curly oh, okay. Q kind of vein. I have a couple here. They're pretty beat up, um, but it helps the arrow rotate and spin. Just like, you know, when you throw a football, you want a good spiral on it. It's the same thing with an arrow. It's like putting helical on with plastic veins. But these are super small, super lightweight um, little veins. And I just tape them on. I don't glue them on. Yeah, that's. And I'll shoot that. I'll shoot that for all my outdoor stuff. Oh, this is. 
interesting. I, I want to, you know, look them up. That's there. It's actually on Amazon, but mm -hmm. oh, let me share real quick. Share share that screen and <coughs> is that that what you're looking at there? Yeah. Yep. They're just little spin wings. And you, you'll tape them on, on that straight side, you'll tape them onto the feather and then they curl kind of like, they'll look like this when you set them on the arrow. Oh yeah, that just kind of curved over. Um, mm -hmm. And it just helps long, the arrow like spin. Less than two inches yeah. long. Mm -hmm. it, it, yep. it, it's almost looks like the the veins is, is curled over. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is curled over. It's, it's it looks yeah. about like that when you set it on the arrow. So that's what I shoot for all my outdoor stuff. Helps it helps it very little more stabilized when it's it's rotating like that. Mm -hmm. How how are they with the extra spin they put in them for your long range shooting? You know, like your oh, they're good. They're yards. good. So with this bow, I don't shoot further than fifty meters. Okay, so you're not shooting real long range with, with mm -hmm. your recurve. No, no. With my compound, I, I shoot the AAE Hybrid 26 plastic veins, and I put a pretty heavy helical on them. And I know there's some discussion about, like, if you put too much helical, if it'll have, like, a parachute effect because it's spinning so much, but I haven't really noticed any any difference out at 100. Well, PSC putting a heavy helical. Yeah, PSC did a little study many years ago uh, about the effects of uh, straight offset and helical. And what they found is at the time the rotational speed exceeded the forward speed, that's when they come to the parachute, you know, where they drop. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. depending on how fast you're spinning it and how fast your arrow is going, you know, when the forward velocity is less than the rotational velocity, that's the parachute effect. And where's mm -hmm. that going to take place? Well. It all depends. You're shooting a 20 pound bow trying to shoot 80 yards. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're not, you're going to have that anyway. You know, you should, like you mm -hmm. shooting uh, 80 pounds, uh, you know, 100 yards, you probably still got more forward velocity than rotational velocity. So, right. you, you know, for close range, you know, hunting situations for most of us here, um, it won't make a difference. It makes no difference. Uh, in fact, I never bothered with a 10-yard pin with the compound because, you know, I, I was shooting, you know, my compound. And the difference between 10 yards and 20 yards was maybe an inch on impact. Yeah. At most. That. And on an animal, that makes no difference. No, no. It, now, if I'm trying to shoot an X on a target, that's a sure. different story. You know, one sure. inch is a complete miss. But, you know, for mm -hmm. hunting, you know, it makes most things that people that. talk about. Yeah, uh, you know, people talk about well, you need you need to balance what's your forward or center weight. You know, where is it balanced? And they're like, at hunting distance, who cares? Shoot veins, mm -hmm. shoot feathers, shoot whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. The other thing they did a study is you know difference between like a four inch vein and a four inch feather. And this is for all the fancy stuff. Um, you know that the feathers are lighter, so they're initially faster off the bow, but the veins have less drag. So downrange, the veins keep the speed, where the feathers, because of the more drag, will drop mm -hmm. it down. I still shoot feathers. Right. I I just mm -hmm. never got away from it. Um, you know, that's what I started with, and that's what I'm still shooting. And um, you know, for hunting, it's nice. I've been out hunting, you know, with a little bit of mist, and I just you know, after the feathers kind of disappear, I just grab the next one, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I know so they're not getting wet, and I'll just swap my broadheads out and for a dry one and. You know, if it's raining that much, or I go through all my, my half a dozen broadheads, it's time to go home anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> if it's raining, if it's raining that much, <laughs> and you can put stuff on them to keep them dry, and I, I just don't mm -hmm. bother. Um, you know, I have shot sometimes in, in your bow is a little bit wet, and you can see the water <laughs> just, just exploding off of it in a mist. It, right. I don't generally hunt too and, much in uh, rain. AAE makes a, a vein that is meant to mimic a feather. It's a really flexible vein, a very, very soft vein. It's meant 
to be able to try to mimic feathers while shooting off the shelf on a recurve. Now, I don't know if it does it perfectly because I do notice a difference between the trad veins. That's what they're called as trad veins right. and feathers. But in terms of like, if you're going out in the woods and you have, you know, two feathers and two sets of feathers and two sets of trad veins, you can stay out there even if you're getting rained on. Right. Because those trad veins, they don't, they don't go wrong. And at a hunting distance, at a hunting size target, you'll be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's so AAE has a good option with that. So if anybody's interested, they can go take a look at take a look at those. They're called trad veins. They have them in a three inch, four inch, and five inch. It looks like every other vein. It's just super, super soft. Some veins are really difficult to bend and to change. This is very not that way. Yeah, let's. Uh, I just thought I'd see if I can pop them up and for those that get mm -hmm. to watch. Um, yeah. Oh, here, let me. I found some. Let's let's take a look at them real quick while we're in here. Yeah, they don't look they any. Are. They don't look any different than like a normal vein. It's just when you you actually feel them, and these are designed for, um, either a compound off the fingers or a recurve. This will not be the best vein for you to shoot off of a compound with a release, because those bows are too fast. A compound with a release is too fast, and that will fold the veins over and not give it the steering that it needs. These are designed oh, yeah. specifically for a recurve bow. Yeah, that would be that'd be an option, you know, if you want to have something a little more um, forgiving in the, the rain areas. Mm -hmm. Yes, yep. And then off of a compound, I like the, like I said, the Hybrid 26, which looks no different. They look no different than those. It's <laughs> just the stiffness of the material that they have. Just the material, the, the form is the same. It's just material they, they mold them mm -hmm. out of. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, you have so, any uh, parting thoughts before we get out of here for the day? Um, If anybody is interested about shooting bow or has any other questions, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm sure my name is going to be put on the podcast. Look me up on Facebook right. or Instagram. And if they have any questions, feel free to answer. The only reason I got to the place that I am today is because people helped when I asked them questions. So I'm more than happy to return the favor to somebody else and pass it along. Well, and I'll leave a, a, a link to your uh, Facebook page um, in, in the description so they can find you and perfect anybody anybody in the group they could just message you and go from there yeah absolutely absolutely i don't know everything but i am i'm happy to help where i can yeah i i, I like to say i have an answer for everything it might be i don't know i'll find out but it's an answer yeah <laughs> yeah that's you, right may not be what you want but it's an answer <laughs> so yeah if Emma has any questions, you know, we'll, you know, if I don't know it or you don't know it or somebody, we'll find somebody that knows it and can answer your question. Uh, there's probably not much mm -hmm. that some of us haven't already seen, you know, being involved in archery for, um, well, since the sixties for me and owning my own yeah. shop for several years here, about 20 years ago uh, to, you know, being an archery instructor and going from, how do you, how do you shoot the bow if you don't pull the trigger and know where it's going? You know, to it's like, what is that? So understanding why you don't want to pull the trigger. <laughs> like you you just mentioned earlier, you slammed on the trigger and you shot way low. Mm -hmm. Right. If you just went through the normal shot press, yeah, you probably got it. So, you know, that's that's all oh, yeah. things we all learn over the time. And you know, like you, if you, if you have a question with something, hey, we're, we're here to help. And that's really, you know, what we got to do. Help, help out uh, others because it's the, the sport that you know we like and we enjoy and you know we pass it on and so well yeah. thanks for being on the show uh it, it's been fun talking to you absolutely and I'm sure we'll we'll talk again yeah. later sometime and 
Absolutely. yeah, we'll just we'll just uh, keep in touch and uh, and maybe we'll run each other. Seeing how we live so close to each other. I know. What part of yeah. Nebraska do you live in? Uh, in between Omaha and Lincoln. Okay, yeah, you're not far from me at all, then. No, no. You're 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 yeah. a few hours. Yeah, you're, you're just north of uh, Des Moines, and you know that's about two hour drive to Des Moines. Yeah. So yeah. you're maybe two and a half, three hours at most. Yeah, I'm not sure where. Well, I'm, if you, you know. if you know any places to go over the counter mule deer hunting in Nebraska, you let me know because that's something <laughs> okay. that I've been. As of right now, because I believe their season opens at the, what the beginning of September for archery. Yeah, arch September through December thirty first is archery season. Yeah, that's the only only place that I know of over the counter you could shoot a velvet mule deer, and that is at like the top of my list is a velvet mule deer. Oh yeah, I yeah, suppose you could shoot first. one. Yeah, I know. I suppose you could shoot one in Arizona because their season opens up August 31st, but uh, I don't know if they're still, if they hold velvet at that period of time down there. But I also know that set August and early September in Arizona is going to be very, very hot and they're going to have snakes and they're going to have scorpions. And this, this Iowa white boy does not like snakes <laughs> or scorpions. This, this flatlander. Yeah. Flatlander can't deal deal with that heat and those critters. Yeah, well, even in September here in Nebraska and Iowa, we still have some pretty hot days. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's there's difference between you know cornfield hot and desert hot. Right. <laughs> yeah, this and I don't. That's I don't different. have to worry about snakes here. Yeah. Well, you get out in western Nebraska, you, you got you got rattlers out in western Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's where the mule know, deer are. So I suppose I'm going to have to deal with that regardless. Yeah, well, just get some snake boots and wear those. You know, they come up pretty high, and so they, they can't get through your boots. Yeah, okay. Put on some snake boots. Good deal. Because you Good never deal. know. You could walk right up on them. <laughs> Wouldn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been told, and that's terrifying to me. Yeah. But fortunately, on this side of the state, we don't really have much for, for rattlers. But we do get yeah. them once in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Well, <clears throat> thanks for being on again. And uh, Absolutely. we'll probably do this again sometime. And for sure. Roy, I look forward to it. Yeah. My name is Roy Canterbury. I've been a host today on Arch Talk 101.